Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder that the Patreon campaign for The Broken Meeple is always ongoing. You can check it out at patreon.com slash thebrokenmeeple where you have the option of donating as little as a dollar a month to help me improve the written reviews, the podcast, and the upcoming YouTube channel. Okay, on with the show. This is the Dice Tower Network, adding games to your wish list since 2005. The home of smart people, insightful board gaming commentary, and Luke Hector. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com. The Broken Meeple, Season 2, Episode 14, Solo, Part 2. Welcome to part two of the epic collaboration between myself, Jason Moraes and Anthony Chatfield as we go through our top 10 solo games. On this part you will also hear from the contributors as well as the people's choice. I hope you enjoy, see you on the other side. And my number five is a game that has solo rules but does, probably does not have a chance of making either of these guys' list. Uh, we are talking about Escape, the Curse of the Temple. Uh, this is my timed game. And uh, a lot of you guys are getting the sense that, you know, I really like to, you know, I, I like my strategy um, in, you know, small, manageable, tasteful doses. Uh, but I really like, you know, games that evoke emotion, evoke feeling, uh, get you excited, and this game does that in spades. So there's a lot of time games out there that I really enjoy. We got Spatial Oak, we got Fuse, which is very similar to Escape. We got London Dread, which is you know not as good, but still you know pretty good. Uh, but this game, um, you are a adventurer going into the temple, and it is timed. It is ten minutes long. You have to get in, get the loot, and get out. Uh, and that's it. And you're chucking dice, chucking dice, chucking dice. And yes. Uh, you can, if you play with more than two or three people, uh, you can kind of say, oh, this dice is not actually a black die. It's actually a gold dice and I can move again. So there's a <laughs> you have to be kind of on people to make sure they're not cheating. They're not playing this game with the young kids because they will cheat every single time. Um, <laughs> just a little bit of a heads up. But, you know, two players and especially that solo mode, um, it, I got the big box and I got all the expansions for Escape. So what, what I like, what that does is it creates this kind of pseudo campaign. Not really a campaign, but it gives you a sense of like how to arc the difficulty so it gets harder and harder and harder. So like base game, then base game and illusions expansion, and then base games and illusion expansion minus two gems, and then base game plus traps expansion. You know, it kind of goes up and up and up. So I have a lot of fun going through all that. I get really excited. My wife hates when I play this game because I'm cursing up a blue streak. <laughs> it's like, we have a daughter, so please calm down. I'm like, all right, fine. Let me go in the basement. And I just you know, keep on going. I will never, ever give up Escape from my collection. You'd think that if you're going into this temple over a campaign or something, would you not just sort of like stop at some point? Like, every time I go into this temple, I nearly get trapped forever. <laughs> die a horrible death. So it's like with the campaign of, oh, I've done it once. Why do I want to go back in? Seriously, the like choose a different nearly. Choose, <laughs> choose a different job. You know, <laughs> nearly get trapped forever. So uh, <laughs> was it just like trying to tempt fate every time? 
<laughs> All right, Anthony, give me the exact opposite of that game right now. The exact opposite. a massive heavy euro. <laughs> oh, this is the spot where I don't have a massive heavy euro. Darn! Oh. <laughs> this is where it's I put... junk art? It's not junk art. No, no. That would be that would be impressive, though, if we both picked that. Giant Lego. That box. would be amazing. Yes. <laughs> I just end the podcast right now. I'm like, all right, my job is done here. <laughs> um, no, this is where I put Oniverse. So uh, I'm going to pick Onirim as, as my top Oniverse game. But I, on my list, I did actually write down Oniverse because I wasn't 100% sure which of the four games I was going to slot in here. Um, but in the end, thinking about it, I think Onirim is the one that I play the most, um, especially with the app out now. It's the one that I enjoy the most when you throw in all the expansions. Um, it's the one that can frustrate me the most. And it, if you remove the shuffling aspect, which can be a little frustrating, it's the one that plays probably the quickest. You don't have as much setup. Um, it doesn't take up much space. I've played this on the floor. I've played it on the plane. Um, and now I play it on my phone. So Onirim is the most flexible and accessible of the bunch. So it's the one that I enjoy the most. Um, I do also like Castellian and Atelian quite a bit. Um, kind of lean towards where Jason's at on Sylveon. It never quite clicked for me, but I do like all four of these, and I play them all semi-regularly. But Onirim is the one that comes out the most, and so that's the one that I put at my number five. Yeah, Nautilian I haven't actually had a chance to try, but that's definitely on my hit list. If I, if I spot it at the expo, I don't know if it'll be there as a ability to play it, whether Z-Man's got presence, but yeah, I want to try that one out, see what it's like, because it sounds pretty good from what I've heard from Z Garcia's review. And I do like Anira. It was probably my eleven. I just say Zilbion just edges above it. Maybe it's maybe I'm, maybe it's just because I don't win and I only win very often. I must admit <laughs> I'm doing something wrong because I know I have bad luck, but something I'm doing wrong because I don't win that game very often. I was in the same boat. Like I felt like uh, well, I only put one of these on my list. That's hard. Um, so yeah, like you know, had to edge a couple others out. But you know, as a whole, I mean. That's, again, that's why I wrote Oniverse down here, because it's just like, I don't know, I just kind of pick one out of the box uh, when I feel like playing one of these games. Onirim happens to be the one I play most often, but they all kind of evoke a similar feel for me. I will be studiously silent and invite Luke to talk about his number five. Number five is, yeah, this is going to be the interesting one, because no, none of you are going to have this on your list. I can tell that now. It's, it's going to be too obscure a game, but... This was a hidden gem I found at Essen last year, where literally the last day or so, I was thinking, right, I've pretty much done what I need to do. I can't find anything else. Oh, well, let's have a look at what these Korean and Japanese companies are doing, because most of them have emptied their stock by that point. And it's just like, maybe there's a cool gem here. And I heard people talk about a game called Coffee Roaster. And that title alone doesn't exactly, okay, we've already got Viva Java. What's this one about? And it's a pool building game. So all these games like Orleans and Hyperborea, where you've got a bag and you're putting stuff in and taking stuff out. It's one of those, but it's pure solo. There's no multiplayer mode in this. And it has you basically making coffee, as the name suggests. You start off with two, you have two phases in the game. Starting off is the roasting phase, where over a certain amount of turns, you pull a number of tokens out of the bag. And then you have these different ways to do shenanigans with the bag, you know, putting stuff in and out, leaving stuff out, scrapping them, you know, special little things you can do for, you know, collect stuff for later on. And it's very like tactical as to what you're going to do, because you've got to think, right, well, I want to get this stuff out, but you choose when you're going to move on to phase two, which is actually making the coffee. So you might just say, right, am I going to do it nice and quick while I've got these? Or am I going to play the long game because I need to roast these beans over time? 
and you've got all sorts of things like you know you've got water you've got hard beans bad beans you know beans of various levels and other things you've got to scrap but then you then have to brew it and you have this cup board you draw 10 tokens you fill that cup as best you can you've got a little bit of element of waste that can go away and then once you've got that cup filled you tally your score based on the rating of the beans what flavors you got in there and see where you match up on i think over 20 different beans that you can make from beginner to expert level and it's up to you you can either spend five ten minutes doing this as a solo one-off or you can do a menu of three and the difficulty scales each time based on how well you did on the previous one it sounds very weird but if you like that bag building mechanic and you're going to Essen, because I know this is going to be an absolute pain for you to import this game. But if you're anywhere near Essen and someone can pick this up for you cheaply off the Korean stand, I can't recommend a better bag building game. And if you like coffee, that's another reason. Neither Anthony or I drink coffee, so we're not playing this game. I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just call it Tea Brewer then instead. I mean, I pretty much drink tea religiously as opposed to coffee, but it's just, you can't, you, you get, it's so addictive. You just get sucked into that theme of like, you know, okay, I'll take some tokens out and put some in, yeah. And, and if you look at it purely mechanically, then you may not get as much. But when you start thinking, no, I want this coffee to be good, all right? It's, it's going to be the best <laughs> coffee ever. <laughs> you get angry. This will be a think. coffee wordy of Meisters everywhere. It's like... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is one that's been kind of half on my radar for a little while. And I haven't paid too much attention to it just because it's impossible to find in in the States. Um, I know the BGG store had it for like a week and then they sold all their copies and that was it. Uh, I've seen it periodically on stores in Canada. Uh, I think board game bliss might have it in stock right now. I think I just saw it recently, but it's decently expensive because it's imported and it is hard to find, but I have heard really good things. So it's definitely one I want to check out if a, any of those companies ever have a presence in a U.S. convention or B, someone else picks it up and distributes it here. I definitely want to check it out. Yep, me too, definitely. All right, uh, so we are moving on to our number four. Number four, Anthony, hit us. All right, so it's my turn to talk about an obscure game. Uh, this one is, we actually just reviewed it very, very recently, and it is probably, um, it's just, it's not Cult of the New. I think it's a couple years old, but it's new to me in that I didn't even know it existed like four months ago. But it has catapulted up my list for a variety of reasons. Um, this is Leaving Earth. Leaving Earth is a game about building a space agency and the space race. So you are building rockets. You are building shuttles. You're building, uh, sending people to space. You are colonizing planets. Um, and it's it's really, really heavily reliant on the science end of this. It's not so much about the exploration. It's absolutely about the exploration, but it's not like a science fiction game. It's not Mission Red Planet. It's not even really terraforming Mars, which is more about um, the cool things that would happen if we could terraform Mars. It's really about like building a rocket, testing the rocket, testing it again, it exploding because you didn't test it the third time, uh, building it again, taking off, getting out of the atmosphere, which is incredibly difficult getting a probe to the moon, you know, all these different things that have happened. And then it goes a little bit beyond that where, you know, you're visiting Mars, you're putting people on Venus, you're building stations on, you know, different planets and uh, microplanets and asteroids around the solar system. It is an incredibly thematic experience in that it's 
really, really feels like the difficulty that probably went into this. Very, very math heavy. Um, and it is a one to four player game, but I think even on BGG, it's his best with one because I cannot imagine playing this with more than maybe two, but it takes a long time with one person. Uh, it takes up a ton of table space. It is a decently complicated game and that's just the base game. You can add in the Mercury expansion, which comes in the box, which adds another planet to go to. And then there's the Outer Planets expansion, which doubles the volume. Uh, you have that much more stuff that you can do and go to, and new planets to go to, and it just really ramps up the difficulty. Um, this has leapt to the top of my list. It's something I'm super interested in now. And every time I bring it out, I just stare at it. And I'm like, how do I solve this? I don't know if it's solvable. I feel like there would be like an ideal first few moves, but there are some random elements to it. I really, really enjoy this. Um, I wish it was easier for people to find. It's I'm fairly certain the only way to get it is through the publisher's website. Uh, he's in California. I'm not sure like where that ships to or how much distribution the game has gotten or anything, uh, but it is really, really good. Yeah, Cult of the Obscure. I, I've had to look this up on BGG as you were talking to figure out where this is, I have not seen it in a store, at a convention, at a second-hand print-and-buy sale. And from what I can tell, the designer is also the artist. And because I've not heard of this publishing company before, i got a feeling it's self-published, as, as you suggest. So this is literally someone doing it all himself, which usually is not the best idea unless you're Brian Luckett. But, you know, that's why I've never seen this anywhere. Yeah, yeah, I think it, I think he really just like he made a game and he put it out there. And you can tell too, because it comes in like basically a shoebox with a, a, you know, this label wrapped around it. And the rule book is like 60 pages long and it does not need to be. It's not the best rule book in the world. In fact, I think I watched a video to learn how to play it and the video was like 20 minutes long. So <laughs> like the core mechanics of the game are not that complicated. There's just a lot of edge cases. Um, but the game itself, it's fantastic. The component quality is good, too. Don't don't hear self-published and think, and it is self-published, but don't hear self-published and think, like, oh, okay, it's game crafter quality. No, it's it's decent quality stuff. Um, and the artwork is really nice. And when you place all these cards together uh, to form the solar system that you're exploring, they kind of match up to form the planets. So it's this really beautiful vista on the table, even if it takes up the entire table. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting situation because... You know that he just made it because he thought it would be cool, and he probably worked on it for years. But um, I really hope it gets distribution at some point because uh, I think a lot of people would enjoy this. I think the main problem is that it's just not going to be that accessible for groups. Um, I don't know how many, how much uh, market there is for a big, heavy game that's only for one person uh, outside of the GMT uh, companies of the world. But it's definitely a good one. If you have a chance to pick it up and he has it in stock, I, I say take a look. Yeah, like we need some war in there. We need the Martians versus the Venetians, and then GMT will pick it up. Yes, true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Luke, what's your number four? Well, I won't believe, go too much into this one. I think you already gave it a glowing review earlier. And yes, I think I'll, some people would have had to call foul if this didn't turn up on my list. But not my number one on this list, but certainly number one of all time. And that is definitely Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yes! It, it had to be on this list. I mean, you knew this was coming, people, all right? <laughs> but I do enjoy playing this with multiplayer quite often as well because everyone sort of role-plays the character and gets into the cheesy dialogue. So that's why, you know, there are solo games I prefer. But, yeah, just being able to play free-handed. Here's my setup. Here's all the different heroes because I've got everything to date now. So the amount of choice is just limitless. And I always like setting up story-based 
ones. I mean, when you read up a little bit on their backstory, you can sort of, all right, this guy's the nemesis of that, and this location's boring. You know what? I'm going to set it up here and go and see what happens. And it doesn't matter if you get creamed or if it's a cakewalk. It's still just so much fun. And I think I'm just a bit of a superhero nut. You know, I've watched countless amount of Marvel and DC stuff on TV and in the movies, and it's just kind of like the genre that just sings to me. I mean, if with all this legacy stuff that's getting brought out, you know, someone bring out a superhero legacy game, and I will jump over that like crazy. It will be like dream game. But yeah, it already had a glowing review earlier, so you know, you know, you you can trust Jason's opinion on this. It's perfect. And (laughs) for the (laughs) one entry out of seven, you could trust my opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you want to know more, read my recent review because I had to base. I'd never actually reviewed this game, kind of weirdly, but I've only just recently put out a guest review on another site, sort of explaining this is why I love it. However, here are some legit concerns, and I get what you mean about the admin. It is a legit concern. I, I personally love the art in it. It suits the style, but yeah, it's a steep learning curve for the initial bookkeeping. But grab the Sentinel Psychic app. And that usually solves out most of it, and it just comes with practice. All right. So uh, my number four is my kind of quick card game. I love having a quick card game on hand. Um, i very, very close to putting the Grizzled at your orders on this list. I love the Grizzled solo. Uh, they did a really good job with the expansion to make that a quick solo. Uh, very hard, you know, um, very um, challenging and still evoking that theme of, like, you know, being in World War One. Not going to talk about that game. I just got another game called The Banishing, which is a cooperative card game, which I've been really, really into. Uh, Almost knocked this one off the list, but I'm like, no, let me resist Call to the New and just go with my favorite card game of all time, Onirim. It is, um, for everything that people said, I think Luke is number 11. It was Anthony's list, I think number five. Uh, So this game, not going to belabor the point. Um, Although I will say that I, you know, I play the app plenty, but that app needs the expansions. It's starting to get them, which is great. Uh, I play a game with all seven expansions and just shuffle them in there. It takes 45 minutes. It is cumbersome. Not everybody's going to like it, but I love how that big game kind of moves through the different expansions. You're doing different things depending on what phase of the journey you're on. So like sometimes you're building the tower. Sometimes you're, you know, you have to cast spells in order to get yourself out of a jam. Sometimes you have the the thing, the the special dreams that go into the dream catchers. I love that sense. It gives me a sense of like, you know, that dreamlike journey, even though, you know, it's just like a quick, basically a themeless card game. Style comes out. Uh, gotta just go with the um, Oni Rim. A lot of, lot of contenders for this spot, but that's my, that's my choice. All right. And I think we've gone on about Oni Rim <laughs> long enough. So uh, we can go to our number three. Number three, I don't think we've actually had a game on this list so far that goes into this mythos. No, this would probably be the first one. And it's essentially, you mentioned Betrayal on House on the Hill earlier. Well, this one basically stamps all over Betrayal on House on the Hill. You know, it stamps on it, burns it, throws it away, eradicates it from memory. You know, that's what really should happen to that game. But... (laughs) 
Cthulhu does come out with some very cool games and some good co-ops, but this one, whether I play it with others or particularly solo, is just one of the most atmospheric horror-type games I've ever played, which is the second edition of Mansions of Madness. Not the first edition, because that one was very clunky and didn't work so well, but as soon as you put that app in it, this is probably the, the best implementation of an app I've seen in a board game to date. It just handles all the admin, of which there's not a huge amount, but it handles everything. It dictates the story, it jigs up the scenario for repeated plays, you don't see the exact same thing happen, so you can't just guess the thing. I mean, there's one scenario where it's a whodunit mystery, and you ask the people different questions, and it rejigs who says what, and what's relevant. So you can't just instantly go, oh, it was the blue dude. You know, <laughs> it has to be different. But, oh, I project this on my TV on the wall, you put the music on, and by yourself, you you know, dim the lights, you can just have a really atmospheric horror game. Yes, it's the Cthulhu mythos that's so being done to death, but I like that mythos. It's cool seeing the big baddies, you get your favorite investigators from the stories, and it's just, I just find it like a wonderful experience. The app pretty much makes this game. If it didn't have that app, I don't think it would do even half as well as it is at the moment. And it's not even that big a setup. It's a huge box and there's a lot of minis, but you pretty much just choose a story on the app, put out a couple of tiles, and get your personal player pieces. And that's pretty much it. You know, the game can take a while, but you can save the game and come back to it later. Just leave it on your table before, because some scenarios will be 90 minutes, some will probably take a good three to four hours. You know, but it's always a fun story all the way. So second edition Mansions of Madness. Now this game, I'm taking out the wine and cheese. I am not taking out the wine and cheese for no dry euro. I'm gonna <laughs> if I want to have a luxurious <laughs> experience, uh, I'm gonna uh, totally go into it. If I'm gonna play a big Cthulhu game, it's gonna be Elder Tower. Elder Tower is also on my very very short list. Um, you know, it probably you know it's probably you know it would be in my Tales of Arabian night slot. Uh, it's I like Tales of Ruby Nights better because it's a little bit more wacky. Um, but Eldritch Horror is kind of like that big story or whatever it is. Uh, but this game, I'm glad you put it on there. It definitely the second edition is really really good. Yeah, this is one that like totally snuck up on me because I am not a Cthulhu guy. I don't like, I don't dislike. I'm just not big into that kind of creeping horror uh, in general. And didn't like really any of the Arkham Files games uh, until Gen Con of last year when this came out. And I didn't even pick this up. I Someone had it. I was at a game day, and they, they pulled it out. And I was like, ah, fine, I guess. I was like, wait, this is amazing. So <laughs> I quickly picked it up. I got all this stuff. And just like you said, the ability to use that app and play through these solo experiences and not have to deal with all the ridiculous bookkeeping that comes in a game like this or used to come in a game like this. Um, man, like I liked the idea of app gaming, but I hadn't really seen anything that blew me away. Um, this one blew me away because I'm like, you could do so much cool stuff with this in so many different games. Uh, and so now Fantasy Flight has managed to drag me in with this along with Arkham Horror LCG into the Cthulhu mythos, kicking and screaming <laughs> quite thematically. And now, yeah, it's I agree with everything you said. It's, it's really good. The future is apps i have to admit i don't find myself playing games on apps like just basic apps as often mainly just because of time you know they are a lot easier particularly you know sentinels and only rim on the app is perfect but these ones where they're implemented in the game i don't know they're just always like bringing these out because they just help with a solo mode because it does take out a lot of the problems you know XCOM was on my short list because i really like that game but you play it by yourself 
the app helps a lot, but well, by God, is that one of the most stressful experiences you do trying to play XCOM by yourself with all four stations. Uh. But yeah, <laughs> apps just help so well. Okay, so we're actually, um, I got another world-spanning Save the World adventure game. Uh, this one is Pandemic. So Pandemic, no app or anything like that. There's an app game for it, but there's no app integration yet. I guarantee there'll be app integration for this game in the next couple of years. Um, I can't wait for it. Um, but there is Cthulhu. You can get Pandemic Cthulhu. But I'm talking about the base version with some expansions mixed in. Uh, my favorite game of all time with a bullet. I doubt any other game is going to come along to knock it off. It's kind of like my first love, and it's just a really, really fun game. Um, it, I don't play with the solo rules in the, in the lab expansion because I think they're kind of lame, but you could easily two-hand or three-hand or four-hand or whatever it is characters, walk around, save the world. Um, it's, you know, at multiplayer, it does have that alpha gamer problem. Yes, I understand that. But when you play solo, I can alpha game myself <laughs> all the time. I'm, I'm ordering myself around, no, don't do that, do this. Uh, and I can really, really just kind of like sink my teeth into it. Uh, will always be in my collection, will always be my favorite game. Not my favorite solo, but very, very high up there. That's Pandemic. You said that you did therapy or so. You sure that you don't need some yourself with this whole uh, alpha playing yourself monarchy? <laughs> is it, is it, I reckon I should go here. Should I do this? No! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, like, you know, if I, I'm, I'm role-playing the dispatcher and then the medic is just kind of clearing stuff and the dispatcher's like, no! <laughs> Rain in your medicness. You are needed over here. <laughs> My wife is going, there's something wrong with you over there. Like it's just pawns and cubes. There's nothing going on there. It's like, <laughs> come on, what? come First on. First you're cursing right. up a storm. Now you're arguing with yourself, and then you're playing with Legos. I mean, it's, it's not going well. <laughs> <laughs> and Anthony has his chin on resting on his fist, thinking. <laughs> I mean, deep thought. Let me think. <laughs> I can't count the number of times my wife walks by my office and I'm just sitting there staring at the table and she's like, what are you doing now? Like, still thinking. (laughs) (laughs) So us two would be, we we would play a free player Euro or something and us two would be like ranting and raving and like cherry dobs or something and he'll be just staring at the board as if he's just been lobotomized or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just poke me with a stick every 30 seconds, guys. Just make sure. Yeah. Someone crank him up again. <laughs> nah, Pandemic's a good one, actually. I mean, it, it didn't make me shortlist only because I don't mind playing it with other players. And I do. I did at least keep Pandemic Iberia because that's my chosen base game one. Because it's easier, I think it's easier than the base game in terms of difficulty. But it's still easy to teach and the variants up the difficulty plenty without having to make it too complex. Um, I think it's only not hit my shortlist purely because I think... If, it was, if I was doing like my top three, like I use the entire list, it probably would be on there. But the puzzly style games will tend to fit, factor like below some of the other more thematic ones, only because Pandemic is pretty much a puzzle game, really, at the end of the day. You know, you can sort of half game it. But yeah, it does work perfect for solo. The app is very, very good. You know, got no problems with that. You had to mention the Cthulhu one because I just face palmed when I heard that one because it's like, what is the point? <laughs> no need for that one. <laughs> it, it, it was good. It was fine. It actually worked. But seriously, was it really necessary? That was literally Matt Leacott just milking a cash cow at that point. You've got Pandemic Legacy. What more do you need? <laughs> oh, there's more Pandemic coming. We got, uh, I think they're set up to do like some kind of either yearly or bi yearly release of 
pandemic based on the pandemic world championships and where it is. So we're getting pandemic, uh, the Netherlands, I think. Oh, they're not pulling, they're pulling a ticket to write. Oh, right. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm not going to complain until they do a bad one. Iberia is really good. They, they work. I mean, they just need to be able to bring in different stuff. I mean, I'm more well and good having a, you know, a, every two years, bring out another legacy version. I mean, I, I, me and my, I've always, I like pandemic and I certainly go, yeah, when I'm trying to teach gateway games to people, yes, I have a good chunk of gateway games I'd rather teach, but I still at least have pandemic on standby because it's like, yeah, this is a nice easy one. And I've got three friends who adore pandemic miles more than I do. So when legacy came out, I played it with them and we did have a blast. So they're constantly egging me to tell me, when's the season two coming out? It's like, be patient. <laughs> I've got all this stuff to show you yet. <laughs> All right, Anthony, what's your number three? All right, so I have a feeling this might end up on at least Jason's list. Uh, can't be sure, but um, this is uh, a game that admittedly, like early on, I have I, I owned this for like four years, and the first two years I owned it, I couldn't quite get it to the table because every time I open the rule book, I get a splitting headache, um, which is what Vlada Shavadl's, uh rule books tend to do to people. So <laughs> this is Mage Knight. At least they're funny. Like, he has little, like, witticisms in there that are going to make me laugh. It's true. I guess he knows that the rulebook is painful. He's like, let's lighten the mood a little bit. Um, so it's Mage Knight. Mage Knight is uh, it's, it's one of those games that's difficult to describe. It's got so many different kinds of mechanics. But basically, it's an adventure game that you're going, setting out to do various things, depending on whatever scenario you're in. And you're building a deck and solving different puzzles as you along the way, defeating enemies or recruiting people or whatever it ends up being. Um, I really, really enjoy this game. Once I finally got into it, once I finally got past the rules, um, once I discovered Ricky Royal's walkthroughs, because they're much easier to get through than the rules. Um, and th the game is perfect for me in that every move feels like you're solving some sort of puzzle. Like, I'm trying to do this thing, and I need to figure out how to do that with the resources in front of me. And I need to chain these cards together or do whatever I need to do within the space that I have. And there's a little bit of luck. You have a little, you know, the dice, um, you know, what resources are going to be available to you at any point in time. But in general, you have a lot of control over what happens and how it plays out. And on my list here, I actually wrote down, you know, in parentheses, Star Trek Frontiers, because I do also have that version and I also enjoy it. Thematically, I'm, I am interested in Star Trek, so I kind of have um, a different take on it. And I'm interested in the expansion coming soon for that um, that Andrew Parks mentioned that's going to up the difficulty a little bit and add some new elements to the game, um, which is the area where Mage Knight still shines well above it because it has so much content for it at this point. Um, so yeah, I think Mage Knight, I'm, I'm with the hype. If you look at all these top solo gaming lists, it's always up there. Um, I was eventually pulled into it <laughs> and and I'm now um, quite on board. It doesn't hit the table quite as much as I might like just because it takes a while to set up and I always have to do a little bit of rules refresh. But whenever I do, I leave it out for a bit and really enjoy it. Now Luke has to prove to us why he's terrible at games. <laughs> In what way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess that Mage Knight will not appear on your list because you don't have taste. <laughs> Whoa, words hurt, man. <laughs> no, it, it's, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, it, it throws in everything in the kitchen sink, this game, it, to the point where it doesn't feel like an adventure game anymore. It feels like one giant puzzle of mechanics, which is probably one thing that put me off at first, even though I was playing it multiplayer at the time and not solo. 
but it also didn't seem to feel as epic as I wanted. Like when you when you were going through the game and what you finished, it didn't feel like you'd killed this massive boss and saved the the kingdom. It felt more like, well, I've gone to this village and some guy joined my band and then I went into a cave, killed this random troll, and and that was about it. Game end. I win. You know, so it didn't it doesn't feel like an epic story when I do it. And like you said, I've, I've not seen Ricky Raw's video on it, but when somebody was trying to teach us the rules to this game, I was like falling asleep. Because it's just like, for how much more is in this game? Can we just start slaying dragons now? <laughs> I, I fully understand all of these problems because I had the same problems until I finally got sucked in. So um, it's one of those weird games that, that kind of like when you mentioned with Robinson Crusoe, where I was like, I don't get it. It's overrated. I don't get it. And then finally, when it all clicked, I'm like, oh, I get it. But it took a while. All right. We are coming close to the end of our journeys as we transition to number two. So, number two, I'm actually going to take this one. Um, this is my fantasy adventure um, of choice currently right now. Uh, although I don't have the game physically with me right now. I've played the game on Tabletop Simulator and I've played a friend's copy. Uh, can't wait to get this more. This is me succumbing to the cult of the new. It is Gloomhaven. Gloomhaven, the big 20-pound, uh, 25-pound, 20, uh, something. Um, you can definitely bury multiple animals in that box, not just a cat. <laughs> Is that going to be my thing now? It's like I, I say one half asleep horrible metaphor, and now you're that guy who puts cats in game boxes. <laughs> like, Haven's more like you can take a lot of the zoo in, in that box. I mean, you know, you, you've ever seen Paul Grogan take it with him on the on conventions or something? It literally is like, yeah, he didn't bring clothes, he didn't bring anything else to go on all day, where we just brought Gloom in a suitcase. He's <laughs> <laughs> walking around in a wheelbarrow with this thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, we don't have to spend too much time on it. We've done multiple episodes on it on our podcast, um, and you know, it's it's all there's information about it all over the place. Big fantasy adventure. Uh, love the tactical combat of it. Love the evolving storyline of it. I'm not really gonna call it legacy. Legacy is, I think, a different thing. Just because something has stickers, it I don't think that makes it legacy. Um, legacy is very, I think, more kind of what propulsing a narrative, which this does too, but. Um, the legacy doesn't come into play in terms of your actual in the on the table gameplay. It's just a tactical minis game with a developing character. Um, love it to pieces. Uh, I, it may just become leads to my number one with more plays as soon as I get it to the table. We shall see. So um, yeah, Gloomhaven. Yeah, so you know you don't want to spend too much time on it, but guess what? It's also my number two. So. <laughs> crossover sync up uh yeah so gloomhaven um i was lucky enough to back this kind of on a lark uh daniel um uh, from the other podcast i'm on board gamers anonymous mentioned it on an acquisition disorder like two and a half years ago and i was like oh that looks cool and so i backed it and lo and behold everything he said it would be it was um so this is a game i've had since february i've played it a fair amount um not nearly as much as some other people just because you know life and whatnot but it is, without a doubt, like, for the Euro gamer that I am, the guy sitting here staring at the table with his hand on his face, uh, this is a perfect dungeon crawl. Um, I don't generally like dungeon crawls as much as other people. I don't like kind of, I'm not going to say mindless games. That's, that's not really what I'm trying to say. But, like, the beer and pretzel style of play where you're just like, I'm going to move over there. I'm going to roll some dice. I'm going to kill that thing. 
okay, I'm going to roll over there. I'm going to roll some dice. I'm going to kill that thing. Like, it, it never really captured me as much. The theme isn't enough, you know. And, you know, Jason, you mentioned you need themes to unlock the mechanics. I need mechanics to justify the theme. So I don't like just going through a game because it's cool or has pretty artwork. I want the gameplay to be interesting and engaging and thoughtful as well. And in this case, you get definitely on the on the on the gameplay side it you take away the dice um there's a modifier deck that does obviously add some luck elements to the game so it's not purely without that you know when you are in combat there are situations you can't fully mitigate but the the actions you take are from this deck of cards you get to build that deck of cards change it upgrade it adjust unlock new characters unlock new abilities um level up between these different campaigns it's very heavily combat based but the amount of cool things you can do uh it is just such a cool puzzle-ish type of game without the over-the-top complexity of a game like mage knight uh, which is why it kind of leapt ahead of that for me um, um you know i do agree with you luke to some degree mage knight is overly complex and sometimes i don't want that gloomhaven has just as many bits so when i take it out it's just as big of a beast on the table but sitting down to play it i don't feel like i need to keep track of 37 things i just have the dungeon in front of me and the characters in front of me and then go and it's just fantastic so i feel like moving forward with the solo scenarios coming in the updated rules some of the other stuff that's coming out i know he's working on an expansion for this already which is ridiculous to me um it might leap to my number one as well not quite there yet but at the moment it is a strong number two so uh, more cult of the new, but I think not fully alone on this one. Nah, certainly not. You're not alone because you got Jason with you. I mean, it. it I have, I don't dislike the game. It's more that I've only played a couple of demo games of it, um, which were enjoyable. They just took forever with even just three other people because everyone took ages trying to figure out their moves. Probably would be better as a solo, but I don't think I was willing to sort of justify the price tag for hoping that i would have enough time to play this solo because it's going to be a time sink for a long time in the future to you know and you won't even finish all the content you know i like having limitless variety but there is a time when it's like okay can the plot resolve now <laughs> it's a bit like game <laughs> of thrones in that respect it's like yeah yeah i like game of thrones i want to watch it and i want to see all the cool stuff but for crying out loud can we now wrap up the story please because you're taking forever it's like it's, it's that was a bit like that, but I, I I didn't dislike it. I can see why it's a popular one with a lot of people. Perhaps I'm just starting to phase out of dungeon crawls a bit because I'm finding that they don't tend to be very different from each other. I mean, I loved Descent when it came out. I played Arcadia Quest. I've done Imperial Assault. And over time, I sort of go, yeah, this is nice, but I don't know. I just want something new, something new to the table. So you're uh, saying that we're not going to have a three-way crossover at number two? I'm sorry, no, there's no there's no gloom on this list. I, I, mean, I can't put it on this list for the sake of a couple of demo games anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what is your number two? Number two is venturing into a category which I'm surprised we haven't even had on the list yet, but uh, we're now venturing into LCG territory with Fazzy Flight. Now, they do some competitive games, which are fun and all, but I've gone off those now because I just don't like the uh, tournament scene. With any of them, I think as soon as you put tournament in front of anything, it just makes people too much on edge, too tense. Everyone's like out for a prize or something rather than enjoying the game. But the co-op ones always work out, even when teaching other players. But as a solo venture, they are perfect. And this one is one of my favorites, which is Lord of the Rings LCG. The 
one of their oldest ones, I think one of their first ones they brought out. It's still going strong now, but for a solo living card game where you you know you construct your deck and you go up against these scenarios, it's one of the most thematic, enjoyable experiences you can get. It's I, I wish I could get it to the table a bit more just because of time and because it's tricky to build the deck, you know, fifty card deck and you you've got all this card pool now. But the scenarios they bring out for it, even though they're not directly from the movies, at least most of them, they're all really thematic. They tell a good story. The cycles tell a story over the whole you know, six packs that you get, as well as the deluxe set. They're all very different. You get all these iconic characters show up. Scenarios will be different. And if you don't want to delve into Tolkien's lore, you could just simply you know, go into the saga expansions. That's what I tend to suggest to people now, because it's a bit difficult to get hold of the early packs i say we'll go grab the saga ones because then you play through the movies right from the start where the hobbits are leaving the shire all the way till now where i think you're now on the uh the pelinor fields or whatever it was called yeah the, the final bit of return of the king and those scenarios are really good you know some some more tougher than others you know shelob has repeatedly kicked my butt on a number of occasions but i think it's more I, I play that scenario a few times just because I think I'm conquer, I'm trying to conquer my arachnophobia by playing that one. Because it's like, what worse to do for an arachnophobe than to go into a scenario where it's all spiders? It's, it's not a great idea. <laughs> the big spider and, with like eight eyes. And <laughs> I hate that the pictures, the artwork in this is really good, but some of the spiders they come up with, just, I don't even want to turn the card over, it's that bad. And one of the before I'm trying to resurrect my YouTube channel at the moment, but when I did the first lot of videos, when I used to try unboxing, the funniest one I remember was one I did for Lord of the Rings LCG Call Box, where I, I slightly overplayed it, but it was still slightly genuine, where you know, I'm flicking through the card, showing all the artwork, and then I get to the spiders from the first scenario, and I practically like chuck it away really quickly, <laughs> and fake that I'm having a heart attack or something, because it's just, oh, the hate spiders and those pictures in there he's like oh yeah here's this giant monstrosity <laughs> and here's a different giant monstrosity and it's like oh even the recent pack they brought out for a desert one it's like oh you go underground this desert and oh look spiders oh great there's <laughs> another scenario to look forward to <laughs> but yeah really enjoying the time and i just want to get it to the table more and more it's just quite tricky tricky to get it out and finish a deck, work out what it was I built in the first place. But when I do get it out, even though it's a massive challenge, particularly solo, it's still really enjoyable. I would definitely get more into this game if it wasn't so horrifically cheap. <laughs> 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 I do not like to spend as much money, which is ironic because I look back... I was going to say, says the man who just bought Gloomhaven. <laughs> and, and, I, I, and I own all of Sentinels. Like I'll say... <laughs> Same, yeah. It's not cheap. That's over like 300 bucks of content if you get them all, like MSRP or whatever it is. Um, Yeah. But like, actually, I think I saw, well, I I looked it up where um, you'd have to spend over $1,000 to get all the Lords of the Ring content. And I'm the kind of guy, like, when I played World of Warcraft, I had the insane title, which is every obscure achievement ever. And I had like a million achievement points, and I just I'm just that type of completionist. I know if I get into Lord of the Rings, then say goodbye to my kids, you know, daycare fund or whatever. <laughs> I'll make some terrible decision with money. Um, but yeah, that that's the only barrier for me. Uh, I I've, I've played Lord of the Rings. I really enjoy it. Uh, it's really you know uh, definitely with you on that one. 
Yeah, it's um, it's a problem that it's come to a point where the barrier to entry is quite bad. I mean, it's easier for co-ops than it is for that because you don't have to feel like you need everything to enjoy it. But certainly uh, what I've suggested, there's a couple of people I know locally that are trying to get that. And so I say, look on eBay and find the people or Facebook and find the people selling off their collections because you, you mentioned like $1,000 and that. Yeah, if you were to buy everything scratch. But if you can find somebody selling off their collection, that's usually the best way to do it. You know, get it in bulk. And I mean, I didn't start the collection from the day it came out. I mean, I only got into games properly about four years ago now. So, you know, it had already been out for at least two to three years at that point. I think I was just fortunate that at that time I could get hold of the packs without having to find out a print stuff. And now it's just like, oh, yeah, stuff is new. It's coming out. I can get all of it now. But, whoo, I, I better not. I better <laughs> never get bored of this game because I'm going to hate it if I ever wanted to sell it. But, no, I'm, I got rid of Netrunner. I stopped playing uh, Warhammer Conquest, as I, even though that was quite a good game. It's like, you're right, sticking co-op LCGs. That's the way to go. All right. And uh, so now we are going to transition to our number one. And we're going to do our number ones because I have a feeling that I know what Anthony's number one is. So go for it, my man. Can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the scenes knowledge. <laughs> we cheated. No, we didn't cheat. Um, but it, yeah, it's Lord of the Rings, the card game for me as well. Uh, it's uh, for all the same reasons. Um Luke articulated it's uh, this fan- fantastically thematic game with so much content and so much depth at this point. Um, and I actually rather like the, the deck building element. I do have a similar problem. I don't really have a lot of time to do that. So the game doesn't, if I'm starting up a new um, deluxe expansion or saga expansion or whatever, it sometimes gets delayed for a little bit just because I, I know I don't necessarily have time to sit down and dig through all the cards. And I know I'm starting from scratch and facing new enemies. So I'm like, ah, I'll do this later. But when I do have some time, when I have a free Saturday afternoon or, you know, just really, really feeling like I want to play this game, which sometimes just happens, um, there's nothing better than sitting down with those binders and deck boxes and just digging through and patching together a deck. Now, to be fair, when there isn't time, there are incredible resources online to do this. So you don't have to do it. You can just go online and take other people's deck suggestions, which I've certainly done. Um, and for the saga expansions, they'll list on the back of the rule book, um, recommended decks that use the cards in that expansion, plus the core box, which aren't great decks, but they're usually enough to handle the normal mode difficulty that comes out of the, the saga expansions. Um, which I do that sometimes too, if I just want to play through the story, but all of that aside, mechanically all of that aside, it's just a really fun game. All these expansions add something new and different. Not all of them are, you know, perfect tens, but some of them are just incredible and interesting. And just the, you know, what, six, seven years in to find new ways to utilize these same cards and tokens is just incredible to me, the fact that they can do that. So um, I there's been other LCGs that have popped up, other card games, other things that kind of have a similar element. Um, that I really, really enjoy and um, maybe even are better mechanically. But at this point, just the the emotional investment, <laughs> the time investment, and of course the cost investment, um, the Lord of the Rings, the card game, just captures everything I'm looking for at that point. 
Uh, and yeah, it's it's one of those games that will be around for a long time. I have not picked up everything yet. There are still, I have the first cycle. I think that second one in there is still out of print. So I have to hunt some of those down still. But it's, uh, even with the stuff I do have, it, you know, it'll last me years at this point. So it is a happy number one for me. So wait a minute, Anthony. Your top three games, solo games, are fantasy adventures. We're going to have to take away your Euro card. Well, I mean, they're all... <laughs> to be fair, though, they're all Euro-y. I mean, you've got like the Euro version of an adventure game, the Euro version of a dungeon crawl. Um, come on. You know, they're hybrids. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> sure I'd call Lord of the Rings a Euro, although he does have Mage Knight, which you know you can argue is more of a Euro than a fantasy adventure. You know, so it's, it's certainly at least <laughs> keeping to Euro in some respect. Yeah, no, I... I Lord of the Rings, I'm not calling <laughs> Euro in any sense of the word, but um, uh, I have a limited amount of space in my life for highly thematic games, and that's the one I enjoy. So there you go. <laughs> it makes it to the top of the list. All right. Uh, Luke, what is your number one? My number one is probably a lot of people could have guessed it just by the way I was trying to phrase <laughs> the last one. Um, my one and two could be interchanged. It really depends on my mood. Both of them are co-op LCGs. No one's put this on their list yet. But any one day I might switch these two around because it's hard to tell which one I like better. But the Arkham Horror LCG that's just come out, yes, borrows a lot of stuff from Lord of the Rings. And possibly mechanically it works a little better than Lord of the Rings. I think Lord of the Rings is more interesting a theme just from my personal perspective. But... It's a lot easier for me to get Arkham to the table at the moment. It's, you know, playing through the scenarios, the fact that it gives you story choices before, during, and after scenarios where you have to pick what, it's almost like choose your own adventure. You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to warn the townsfolk? Or are you going to evacuate them? Or are you just going to sit by and get your research done for this monster? And it will have long-term ramifications. You know, we've we got two more packs in the first cycle, and I've made story choices that haven't even resolved themselves yet. You know, they're probably going to come up like several adventures later. And if Lord of the Rings can start doing that, that will just completely blow this one out of the water. But for the moment, that really does help with the way Arkham's working. And it is a lot easier to deck build for. I tend to net deck anyway, which is going on to like Arkham DB or Lord of the Rings DB and borrowing other people's ideas and then just tweaking them, you know, find the theme I like. Yeah, that helps with it. <laughs> Some people do it, but it's just I appreciate their ideas. It's just a lot easier to do it, you know, in a sense of, oh yeah, this is the deck. I'll go get out of the binder. Right, can I get on with playing the scenario now? I'm I'm not the best veteran deck builder in the world. But with this one, you've only got to make 30 card decks, not 50. And a lot of those cards are from a limited pool at the moment because most of the cards you add in are done by experience points. So you can't add them in at the start. So it just makes deck building a lot simpler, you know. If I think, all right, I'm going to try something different, duh, 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 done, barely taking any time at all, and can get on with an adventure, which is still as thematic, if not slightly more so, than Lord of the Rings at times. But that's why these one and two could be interchanged. But so far, Arkham's accessibility is putting it above Lord of the Rings at the moment. Yeah, I really, really like this game a lot too, and I, I think it's probably the theme for me. Um... It is so much easier to get to the table, like you said. And I've, I've bought all the stuff for it so far because I do enjoy the game and have played through most of it. But I just don't get quite as excited to pull it out. And I think it's probably the thematic reason. And that could change. I mean, as I get further into it and, you know, the story gets more evolved, it, it could be something that pulls me in a little bit more. 
Um, I would. It's one of those funny things where I can look at it and be like, the game on paper, themat- not thematically, but the mechanics and the way it plays out, and like you said, the accessibility and the deck building, much, much easier um, and much more refined uh, as it should be. That's kind of the second <laughs> iteration of this. But I don't know if it's just like an emotional connection to Lord of the Rings or just the theme is that strong for me. Um, and I still kind of hanging on to that one. But I'd say like Arkham would probably be my number 11 or 12 because I really do enjoy it quite a bit. I would prefer Arkham if it had a different theme because it mechanically it's lighter, which gives more room for theme, right? So Lord of the Rings, there's a lot going on. You have you kind of have to play multi-handed and everything. Uh, it could kind of, and it gets a little bit weird. It's like, you know, um, the, you know, the, you, the dwarves are playing with the elves are playing with the, all these things. They're just kind of like uh, things in a bucket for me where Arkham things are kind of light enough where, you can kind of, you know, now we're going to a house and leveling up, all that kind of stuff. It's just, uh, yeah, the theme, I'm just not as into Arkham as some other people. Uh, Luke? Cool. Yeah, right. no, in full agreement with that. I'm just uh, waiting for him to get his number one out of the way because I've pretty much already sussed what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually not going to go into too much detail about my number one. It is Mage Knight. Uh, by Vlada Chavatol and uh, coming out of WizKids. Hopefully CGE gets that back so we can get some uh, tokens that are the same size, for crying out loud, <laughs> and the same print quality. Uh, WizKids, come on, man. Up your game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's Mage Knight. I'm not going to go into too much detail about it. Anthony already said a lot of what I like about it. And uh, we are going to uh, lead into now uh, some friends that we've invited to help us along with this project uh one of these friends is going to talk a little bit more about mage knight so what we did was when we put together this top 10 um you know project here i wanted it to sound like the dice tower stuff because i think they do a really great job so what they do on their podcast is that they'll go through their top 10s and then they'll invite their contributors to you know uh, in kind of a series of rapid clips you know, talk about their favorite games so you get, you know, more of different perspectives on, you know, whatever the list is. So we have no network. We're just schmucks with our own podcast and everything. Uh, so I just wanted to invite a couple of uh, noteworthy solo gamers in the Twitterverse and Facebook on the guilds and everything. Uh, so they're going to share their top tens or their top solo games with you right now. Hey everybody, today Gerardo runs through some of his favorite solo gaming experiences. I've already actually done a top 10, but looking at that list, I realized my number 3, my number 2, and my number 1, SOS Titanic, Space Hulk, Death Angel, and Shadowrun Crossfire, are all very hard to get a hold of these days. So I figured I'd mention a new one that wasn't on my original list. I've recently discovered Clank, which is a very, very cool dungeon crawl deck builder. But what I love so much about it as a solo is you download a separate smartphone companion app that creates a adversary for you to race against and somehow he always seems to grab the cards I want. It has really nice multimedia integration into the main game. It's wonderful to play with all the music and uh, it's great to be able to play solo and still have a sense of winning or losing because I'm competing against something. Really nicely done. So check out Clank with the companion app. 
Hi, this is Suzanne from Board Game Breakfast, and right now my top solo play game is number nine from Abacus Spiel. This is a fabulous quick puzzly game with almost no setup, and all of the pieces look like numbers in these Tetris-style shapes, polyominoes. You just play some cards and follow the rules to layer these pieces together and build them up, trying to get the higher numbers on top. But of course, you can't have any gaps below any of the pieces, and they all have to fit together in a really smart way. I love how quick and easy and puzzly it is. That's number nine from Abacus Spiel. Hi, everyone. Hello. This is Albert from the One Player Podcast and Julius from One Player Podcast. And we are here to talk about one of our favorite solitaire games, or two of our favorite solitaire games, Julius and mine. All right. Uh, I want to talk briefly about Flashpoint Fire Rescue. This is a game where, quite clearly, you are trying to rescue people from a fire. It's an action selection game where you are a set of firemen trying to pick actions with a number with a limited number of action points, uh, run around the board, put out fire, which is cropping up due to a random die roll, and rescue all the poor victims and get them back out alive. Yeah, and I really like the Lord of the Rings card game by Fantasy Flight. It's a really great LCG game in which you play in the Lord of the Rings world and there's tons of expansions for it that somewhat follow the stories and sometimes deviate from the stories by Tolkien. Great game. Alright, so those are two of our favorite games from the One Player Podcast. Hi, this is Anthony from the YouTube channel AntLab Games. My favorite solo tabletop game... I'd have to say is Warhammer Quest, the adventure card game. Uh, sadly, though, this game is no longer uh, in production. It's a Fantasy Flight game, but what made this game one of my favorites, still to this day, solo games, is that it brought, uh, well, basically it changed everything that I did not like about the Lord of the Rings uh, living card game by Fantasy Flight Games. Um, and added a, a, a bit more uh, variety to it, and a little bit less, you know, uh, punishing challenge, while still maintaining that um, that feeling that I was I was on an adventure in a fantasy world with a customizable uh, player character, you know, fighting monsters, and, and actually really enjoy the theme, really enjoy the production quality. Uh, to this day, still one of my favorite solo games. Hi, this is Sean Patterson, also known as Sean Bristol, the admin for the Solo Board Gamer Group. My favorite game is The Gallerist. The reason why is because it's it works really well with the dummy Lacerda. It actually gives you more strategic options than it does even in a multiplayer game uh, because of the kickout actions. Or you can predict them. So it's a fantastic experience. Everybody should try it. Go buy it. Hey everybody, The Brent here from the Portal Gaming Podcast. My number one favorite solo play board game of all time is Mage Knight all the way. Uh, this is the epic fantasy character game from Vlada Javadil and WizKids Games. And what I love about this game is just the decisions, the choices. Yes, lots and lots of rules and things to remember, but I love that. It's just deep, it's rich, there's a ton there. Uh, the decisions take a really long time to make. In fact, that's kind of why I love it so much as a solo game. If I was taking this long to make decisions or people I were playing with in a multiplayer game were taking this long, I would hate it. But in a solo play game, that's exactly what I want to do. I want to agonize and think and spend whatever time I want. 
yeah, it probably lends itself because it's long to leaving it set up somewhere. Um, but that's the fun of that game. So if you haven't tried it out, you got to try solo playing Mage Knight, the board game. Hello, everyone. My name is Annette, and you may know me as Netter's Plays. One of my favorite solo games is Mr. Cabbagehead's Garden Game. Now, this quirky game by Todd Sanders provides a lot of thematic fun in a deck of cards. The game revolves around Mr. Cabbagehead dealing with his annoying neighbors that are always interfering with the growth of his prized blue ribbon garden. Now, the game features drafting, set collection, and a puzzle of card placement. The game is currently a print and play, but it will be published and will be available later on this year. So keep your eyes out for Mr. Cabbagehead's Garden Game. Hi Anthony, hi Jason, this is Ricky Royal from Box of Delights. My number one solo game is something that delivers a puzzle to solve, something like Mage Knight, or tells a good story like Robinson Crusoe, or something like Conflict of Heroes that offers strategic positional play with immediate feedback on the state of the game. And that game is Hoplomarchus. My favourite is Rise of Rome that has you controlling gladiators in a coliseum against the titans of Rome. The depth and strategy of an abstract, perfect for the soloist, quick to play, a wonderfully tactile experience with great components, a great challenge for the soloist. Look out for it, that has chip theory games to seal distribution deals across the US and Europe. Keep up the good work, fellas. Speak to you soon. Hi, my name is Morten Peterson. I run a small company called Atoma Factory. We make solo modes for multiplayer games like Scythe and the upcoming sequel to Terra My favorite game is a tower defense game called Dawn of the Sets. It's a zombie game. And yes, I know, zombies have been done to death. This one is good enough that zombie fatigue doesn't matter. It's the most tense and thematic game I've played. It really feels like you're being in a zombie movie. Fight the rising tides of zombies and make tough decisions on who to save and who to sacrifice. Yeah, thank you guys uh, for whoever contributed. I will say that when I first reached out to all of these contributors, uh, and it was, a, it was a couple, it's like, you know, 12 or 13, and these are the nine that I got, which is great. And a couple of others, they, they came in, but it was just a little bit too late. Uh, I did not plan to just get a bunch of people who had all different games. Uh, I definitely <laughs> anticipated like, you know, three or four people saying Mage Knight. So I was like, oh, is this going to be interesting? But I mean, people just really, really took me by surprise. Like, you know, Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden Game. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was that? I just I had to look that up because I just completely out of the blue. <laughs> Well, the green, I guess. But <laughs> you know, the funny thing about that one is, I'm pretty sure it's by a designer here where I live. Um, that Todd Sanders, the designer of that game, I'm pretty sure he's in Pittsburgh, and I've picked up a couple of his local games from one of the FLGSs here, and he does just a lot of little goofy things that not all of them go to print. I think this one did, but he he's, he has some clever ideas that are a little out there sometimes. It was yeah, definitely and... a good variety there. But, uh, to, I mean, Suzanne's choice. I've heard of the number nine one, and you know, Rados was a. Big choice. I do like the way Rado talks. It's like, it's like he's entered his second childhood. He's, he's so passionate about everything <laughs> he says. Like, I get the feeling. I get the feeling this guy is never miserable. He's always constantly <laughs> like he's drunk several coffees and he's just like really happy about everything, which is always good to listen to. But I was quite surprised to see Flashpoint in there actually, because I enjoy Flashpoint. It is one of my. It was has been one of my top ten games for, for a bit. But I quite like teaching this to new players and playing it multiplayer. I haven't ventured into it much solo. I've done it every now and again, but I wasn't expecting someone to sort of pick it, let alone, you know, two people on the same podcast. 
So, I mean, I'm glad it's there, but I thought most people had forgotten about this game. And uh, uh, Sean over there from the Facebook group is representing the heavy Euros to the Galarist. I bet you're happy to hear that, Anthony. Yes. Yeah, there needs to be a Lacerda on there. I, I really wanted to put this on my list, and I just couldn't make room for it. Um, it's kind of a new discovery for me. It's not a new, new game, but it's it's my favorite of his solo versions at the moment. Uh, and it just didn't quite knock out some of the other Euros I had on there. Yeah, the, this was shortlisted as well. Uh, you know, the solo modes, it, it comes in that same category as the Autonoma ones, where I like them, but I don't go mad for them. Although, as much as I love Vital Lacerda's stuff, uh, you know, I like all his games, the solo modes, apart from the gallery stuff, not usually gone for. Like, I really didn't like the solo mode from Vinyos uh, when I tried that one, because that one, I'm, I'm obviously just playing it really badly, perhaps, but it beats you down like crazy it's just a frustrating mode because you play against essentially a, a dummy vital player who just constantly is getting all this nice stuff every turn you know automatically it's just the way the rules go so while you're struggling to even do anything he's already got like this massive empire set up and i think that just i find that a bit frustrating in games you know it's all right having a challenge but when Literally, it's a case of you're you're this tiny little dude, and here's my mighty empire. Right, go see what happens. It, I don't know. It's, it sort of puts me off a bit. Yeah, yeah. We we talked about both of these a few episodes ago, and I had the same thought. I did not really like the the Vino solo mode, uh, whereas the Galarus is very simple, and it's really just like it's in your way, and you kind of have to plan your actions around where it's going to be in your way. Um, but Vino's it was a little rough around the edges. All right. So uh, once again, thank you to all of the people who have contributed to the top 10 uh, product we have. So the last people that we have to hear from is you guys. So um, what we did was, uh, if you're not a part of the Facebook solo group, go ahead and please head up that group. It's really, really excellent. Um, or hit up the one, uh, one player BGG Guild, you know, just be a part of this community. But uh, in the Facebook group, we uh, put up a poll, lasted a you know, week or two, and we had people vote and we had, you know, I think uh, over 200 voters, uh, which I think was pretty amazing um, that when, when when all was said and done and they all we they we put together so that what came out was a people's choice. So um, we're going to run through the people's choice. We are I'm actually going to run through the top 14 because the top 14 were very, very close uh, vote wise. Like it was like one or two. And then there was a definite uh, break of a bunch of votes to the next group. So I'm just going to go through the, the top 14. So lots of familiar ones. We got Oni Rim. We got Match to Madness 2nd Edition. We have Tiny Epic Galaxies, which is a game that did not appear on anybody's list. Uh, what do you guys think of this one real fast? Not a fan of the Tiny Epic series, to be honest. I mean, they're not even that tiny. Once you get them out of the box and everywhere, it's, it does hog a fair bit of the table. It's just the fact that we can scrunch it into a matchbox that seems to be the uh, theme <laughs> with it. But... I, I did never really. You can't bury a off. cat in that game. No, no cats in that one. Not even a kitten. But uh, this, I'd never, I never really latched onto it. And Tiny Epic Galaxies, I've played it. It's okay, but again, I just think I'd rather play something a bit more grandiose and epic. If we're going to play a space game, I wasn't aware you could play it solo. But I guess that's just basically go out and get points. I suppose. It, yeah, it, well, I wouldn't have even considered it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um... Of all the Tiny Epic games, and I think they all have solo modes, this is the one I like the most, but I don't really play it either. Um, I do like the element of the Rogue Galaxies. I think it's kind of cool and the different difficulty levels, but uh, it just for what it is and for what it offers, it just never really quite grabbed me. Now, I know that a lot of people it did because this won the Golden Geek for solo game like two years ago, so 
people like it. Uh, and with the expansion, I'm interested to see kind of what that adds because I know there's a lot of new stuff being put into the game, which could be interesting, but it hasn't quite grabbed me yet. So stay tuned to Every Night is Game Night on an upcoming episode. We are going to cover Tiny Epic Galaxies Beyond the Black. Way to segue into that, Anthony. You're the man. <laughs> I will be in on that. <laughs> <laughs> and Luke will be over there playing. Oh, First Martian. You're going to play First Martian. You're, you're good to go. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. So um, 11 was Gloomhaven. Uh, 10, Eldritar, which we you know mentioned. Uh, 9, Space Hulk, Death Angel. Eight Friday, uh, Friday definitely. So actually, nine, uh, uh, eight Friday and seven Elder Sign. Those are two games that did not appear on either of our lists. But if you look at the um, the pictures and you look at solitude games in your table, these are perennially always there. Really, you know, really quick card games. Uh, Elder Sign, not so much. You can be there for a little while, uh, depending on how your rolling is going. But yeah, so uh, those are two games that did not appear on either of our lists. Yeah, Friday was on a short list for me. Uh, I think. For me, it's kind of in the same bucket as Oni Rim um, and my my little dice games. It's like something quick to play, like at the coffee table. So I kind of it kind of fell into that bucket and fell off because of that. But it was close. Yeah, Friday was shortlisted. The mechanics of it are pretty good. It would probably be in my teens. I suppose the only thing that put me off Friday slightly is it gets a little repetitive as you go through, and you kind of know you're going to die like halfway through if you're not going to succeed as though because you think i'm barely surviving this bit how on earth am i supposed to do the pirates later and it usually does end up that way elder sign's a good one though i mean it works solo most people don't want to play it above three players anyway because it takes as you say long as i'll get out but yeah i mean I've, I've only played the basic elder sign which it's fine i hear the gates of arkham expansion really helped but i would love for somebody to teach me that at the expo wink wink nudge nudge but yeah just <laughs> i'm just calling out to everyone in the uk just like show me these games <laughs> you know, come show me elder sign with expansion come show me shakespeare if i see any of you come up to me with food chain magnate though yeah i will be running um, <laughs> how good the card game make him play it food chain the magnate the card game that would be so <laughs> no but yeah, they were both shortlisted. I can't believe Gloomhaven was so low, though. Yeah, I guess just not enough people have it yet. I suppose, yeah. It's just the amount of hype it's getting. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Let's, let's wait till next year on that one, uh, or whenever we do this list again. Who, who knows? Uh, okay, so some familiar games again. Number six is Pandemic. Uh, number five, actually, One Deck Dungeon. Neither, none of us had One Deck Dungeon. It is That game is lighting the solo game community on fire. Hot fire, that game. But, <laughs> I feel like I burnt out on it a little bit. I don't know. Like, I really, really enjoyed it at first, and I played it for maybe a month. And I don't know if it just got a little samey or what it was. I can't think of anything I don't like about it, but it just doesn't hitting the table anymore. At least not right now. We'll see when the expansion ships. Just not played it. You know, did, I mean, who's, who's it that published this? Is that Asmadi? Yeah, Asmadi has never been particularly friendly with the Kickstarters. I mean, I really like innovation that they do, but they, they brought out that innovation deluxe and then said, oh, we're not shipping it to the UK or something. It's like, oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> great for that. And I think One Deck Dungeon had a pretty high cost for what was essentially a tiny solo game in order to get it over here. So I've just not been on the bandwagon. Again, if I see it, I'll try it. Probably would enjoy it, but yeah, just never played it. Yes, Asmadi Games is on record for hating the UK and all of the EU. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's such a pain. It's like, you know, give me all your innovation content and I'll rave about it. You know, I've already reviewed it recently with a third edition, but nope, it's just like, yeah, we don't like the UK. We're, we don't want to ship it there. It's like, fine. <laughs> 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 
definitely tongue in cheek because um, a couple of weeks ago when the Kickstarter happened, uh, the uh, the Kickstarter for the second One Deck Dungeon, I mean, Reddit exploded, Facebook exploded because it's a twenty dollar game, but there's twenty dollars shipping because of VAT taxes and because of this other distribution stuff. And for whatever reason, that company kind of struggles with it. But I think they kind of figured out some distribution stuff where it's a little bit cheaper. So they kind of put out that fire. But yeah, for a little while, it, it like it was this rumor that Asmati Games did not want to sell games in the EU, which is kind of silly because you're a game company. This is what you do. But Oh, well. Uh, all right. So um, now there's the definite break between number 14 and number five. Those are, you know, those are pretty close. These top four just ran away with it um so they're actually gonna go along with luke uh as far as this one goes uh lord of the rings lcg and arkham horror lcg with number four and number three they were really kind of flipping back and forth um, oh, i was expecting sentinels <laughs> <laughs> i'm pleased for that though i'll go with it you got me you you raised my hopes and dashed them quite superbly sir <laughs> Bravo. i just think that solo gamers have a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these games are really pricey, but people are really enjoying them. Um, big surprise for me, Robinson Crusoe, number second. That's unexpected. I, I, I'd be surprised if it didn't hit the list, but that high. I didn't think many people owned it, but I think more people are playing this solo than they are playing it multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, I could see that for sure. But like you said, I think it was really hard to find for a very long time. Uh, it's surprising uh, to see it up this high. Um, but I guess kind of like Mage Knight, kind of like um, some of these other games, it ends up being played more often solo than multiplayer just because of how much stuff, <laughs> like space and time and bits and everything everywhere. It could and be yeah. the second edition has resurged it a bit because that was looked at, you know, a lot of people inquired about that at the Essen uh, fair when they brought the second ed out. And even though there's not a huge amount of change from the first to the second, I was willing to get rid of the first and buy the second, not just for the token upgrades, because to be fair, I use Stonemaier Chess for a lot of my games anyway, but the rule book oh, holds yeah. a lot of people back from that first <laughs> edition. And it's not like the second edition is a easy rule book. It's not like it's a you know two-page spread or anything, but it's a lot easier to read than the original was. So much better. And of course, number one, proving that once again that Luke Hector does not know what he's talking about when it comes to games. It is Mage Knight by a lot. I'd say about 40, 50 votes separated Mage Knight from the rest of the pack. So uh, just going to have to, when you go to UK Expo, uh, someone strap him to a chair, make him play Mage Knight. I play Mage Knight. As a, I guess the people just don't like theme. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm calling foul on the people. Where's Sentinels? <laughs> hey, is that why you did top 14 because 15 was sentinels and you just didn't want to say it was going <laughs> uh, 15 and 16s were terraforming mars inside they but they really kind of missed the cut by a significant margin so they're out sentinels was like had like eight votes sorry man i'm sure i probably contributed at least one of those just missed it uh, so yeah, we have gone on long enough hopefully that is enough audio for your ears to I mean, sate you for a long, long while. Um, but this was this has been super, super fun. Uh, this crossover between the Broken Meatball and Every Night is Game Night. Uh, this is not going to be the last crossover that we do. Hopefully, we hang, we hook up for you know uh, some convention coverage, maybe some you know hot um, you know releases. Maybe we'll even do a, a crossover on First Martians. Who knows? Uh, or you know, just something on down the line. But you know, we had really a lot of fun. 
I uh, hope you guys had a lot of fun listening to us, you know, get a lot of different perspectives between all of these games. I mean, hold on to your wallets because <laughs> it, this is a lot of grist for the mill. So, um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this has been great. It's been absolute fun. And yeah, future crossovers would be a blast. Although convention coverage, how often you in the EU? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I would love to be able to go to an American show and get that done at some point is like, blimey, that the flight to get there would be insane, let alone just getting to the convention. <laughs> and unfortunately, I haven't got to the stage where I can do Kickstarter stretch goals to say, fly me to the US. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you, man. I hear you. Essen's on my uh, bucket list, but it's a long ways off. Uh, good. I'll be at Essen this year because I've got to help out Grumbling Games publishing for part of it. So I'll definitely be there for the whole thing. All right. So that's going to wrap it up. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Later, everybody. Laters. Thanks for listening, guys. Well, that's it about solo games for a little while now. Thank you for listening. I hope this two-part special was good fun. And uh, to be honest, I had a blast recording with them both. So I look forward to doing more of this sort of thing in the future. Hopefully, yes, Skype will be a little bit more nicer with us so it doesn't delete half the tracks. But I reckon it's turned out pretty well despite technology trying to get in the way. I had a great time. I think they did too. Thanks a lot, Jason. Thanks a lot, Anthony. It was great to talk about solo games with you. So that's it for me. Hopefully at this point when this airs, we're probably at the UK Games Expo at this state. So I hope I'm already talking to you there. That's it for me. Let's get back to conventions now, shall we? Take care. And remember, it's only a game. Thanks for listening. You can check out more material from the Broken Meeple at my website at www.brokenmeeple.blogspot.co.uk. You can also find me on Facebook or see my Twitter handle at The Broken Meeple. If you live anywhere near Portsmouth, feel free to come along to one of our fortnightly Wednesday board gaming clubs, Portsmouth On Board. Search for us on meetup.com or Facebook for more information. Occasional support for The Broken Meeple comes in the form of review copies of games from distributors such as Estevium Games and from retailers such as Chaos Cards, where you can find great games at great prices at chaoscards.co.uk. Thanks again, and from me and everyone else at the Dice Tower Network, have fun gaming. You're listening to the Dice Tower Network. If you like this show, you might like On Board Games or the Board Game Point of View podcast. Find out more at Dicetowernetwork.com.